0: Welcome to Impostors Anonymous. For those of you who used to be somewhat regular listeners of the show, welcome back. Season 2 is officially underway, and though the fundamentals will remain the same, there will be some noteworthy changes. Of course, to any first time listeners, as always, I highly recommend you take a moment to jump back to the intro of the project. It should be listed as a trailer for the show at the bottom of the list of episodes in your podcast player. It's only about 7 minutes long and provides some pretty important context about the nature of this show, its aims, and how it differs from most, so again, I advise you starting there so that the premise of this project isn't totally lost on you. To my returning listeners, thanks for sticking around through the past couple of months, which have been pretty hot and cold from a content perspective. In short, a lot has changed since I decided to give this project a go. There have been plenty of ups and downs personally, and for the most part I think this show has reflected that, which honestly has probably been for the best. Much has been learned, and many of my perspectives have evolved. The same can probably be said about each of my guests, and hopefully you all as well. Which brings me to what will be different this time around. If there's anything to be gleaned from this project, it's that as individuals, our identities and perspectives are in a constant state of fluctuation and irreducible nuance. We're never quite the person we were a moment ago. Everything we experience changes us. Each conversation I have on this show is just a snapshot, a irrepeatable moment in time, a brief glimpse of what individuals can bring to the table. At the end of each episode, I could probably roll back the tape, start from scratch and have a new conversation of a completely different nature, tone, and theme. So I think that about sums up where the project is heading. I guess I'll resist my inclination towards overexposition and wrap things up here, but one final update, I will begin trying to incorporate the audience's questions into episodes, both for recordings with recurring guests as well as solo Ask Me Anything episodes, which I'll be recording the first of soon. So if there's anything you'd like to hear discussed or you'd like me to speak to specifically, please do give us a follow on Instagram or Twitter and send your questions. The audience isn't huge here, so there's a good chance your questions or topics will be featured. If you have anything at all, don't hesitate. I'd love to hear from you. And on that note, thanks for giving this a shot, and I hope you enjoy the episode.
1: You don't know how lucky you are being a monkey.
2: just a story we tell ourselves. I am the smartest man alive! How do we know if uh, we're in control?
0: All right, welcome to Imposters Anonymous. Kevin, thanks for coming back. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Brandon. How you doing? No, I'm doing well. I don't know if I'm doing fantastic, but I'd I'd like to be. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> or if I do be uh, up today, maybe at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's uh that's certainly the idea. But I mean anything in particular, you're just feeling fantastic in general or um uh, is, is there anything feeding into that?
1: Opportunistic. I mean uh I feel like uh there's a lot of good opportunities out there for me. You know? Mm. Just 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 a feeling. Just a feeling. Yeah. Put the intentions out there and who knows, you might catch a fish.
0: Yeah, no, I hear you. I like it. <laughs> but, but yeah, I kind of want to jump right into it today. I think we kind of got this, uh, this interesting little opportunity to uh, dive into something I wasn't expecting to really address, which is the fact that I believe as of right now, still, Facebook and, and all of its kind of subsidiaries are are still down to some extent, at least on my end, I believe they are. And um uh, yeah, I think it's the the jury's still not out. Why? What's happened exactly? It's it's been quite a few hours, and uh, it's kind of fascinating that this is like the biggest headline uh, is on the news right now. Is you know these companies go down for a matter of hours, and it's it's a huge deal. But in, in a way, it really is. Um, so I'm just kind of curious. I was just thinking, like, what would we be better off if? They just never came back online, you know. If it was just like it, it, everyone's just expecting that it comes back, obviously they'll they'll figure out some bug, some DNS error, whatever. Um, but if they just didn't, if 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 Instagram, Facebook, even Twitter as well, they were just gone tomorrow. Uh, it, it, would that be would that be that positive? Uh, I'm just kind of curious how you
1: see it. So, so you you're trying to cancel Facebook and Instagram? You want? <laughs> oh, man.
0: I mean, not necessarily. <laughs> but uh <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm opening that can of worms
1: <laughs> um so the question right Would we be better off without uh, social media or facebook and instagram in particular
0: um that's a fair question
1: um uh, I'll, I'll
0: just say social media broadly and and maybe we can get into the specifics if you feel like that's a different answer
1: it could be so if it's social media broadly i would say hell no and also i don't even think it's possible uh because why don't I think I'll be better off without them? Cause we need them. That's why people are addicted to their phone. That's why there's a documentary called social dilemma. People need them. I mean, there's an addictive property to it and there's a negative connotation to that. But I think that at the end of the day, it's very human to want to be connected to others. And these are the best channels for connection. And these are the, the, the roads of less resistance where everybody shares their life stories and their companies and with their loved ones. And I don't think we'll be better off if you cut the communications from one from uh, from people. I think that that's a good way to separate people. I think that that's a good way to have uh, echo chambers and places that are unknown. Um, and I'm for more I think that if, if there's issues, uh, talking more helps it's better, it's the solution. Mm-hmm. Having more connection, having even more, my opinion, like me personally, more social media, more competition, more connection. I'm so, actually is the opposite for me. I think that it will be better off yeah. if we had more social media, more competition. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's
0: an interesting take and I think as you know, I, I fall in a little bit of a different camp. So, I think it'll be uh, maybe one worth digging into a little bit more as we go on. But, at least on its face, I'd say. I mean, do you feel as though people prior to social media, so uh, a decade or two ago, essentially, and in a lot of these cases, do you feel like there weren't enough forms of of connection between individuals on on a on a community level or other forms of outreach? Do you feel like there was? There was a lack thereof, or that that's something that we now feel because we've grown so accustomed to the level of connectivity that we now have.
1: I think the answer is the latter. It depends how far you go back, because <clears throat> before, like you know, nineteen ninety-five or whatever, there wasn't really that much connections. I mean, we're mm-hmm. really talking about the internet, right? that right. connected everybody. So it, let's just say two thousand and on, because that was the two thousand was the internet bubble. Everybody was going crazy, just like Bitcoin is the, is the share right now. You know, in 2000, people were pumping up stocks and they were so helpful and and everybody was betting on all these things. And I think then you can make a case that, hey, there wasn't enough uh, communication. But but you're saying that not enough social media or just communication in general, like phone calls, emails, uh, Zooms?
0: Um, I guess it's a little open-ended. I was mostly addressing your point that individuals need means of connection and yeah, I was just trying to see if you felt like that was that was something that there was not enough of prior to social media, or that it it just kind of filled a, a void that necessarily that we can't turn back on, if you will. You know,
1: now that the cat's out of the bag, we we need this now, but we maybe didn't before. I think I think before we in large part we didn't have it. So how do you need something if you don't have it? I mean, I think we need. I think we needed it before. We need it now. We continue to be humans. It's not like we evolved some great uh, difference from here to there. I think that the internet came. It started connecting people. People can finally text with no limits. They can send videos, share photos, talk to people in real time that's across the globe with different time zones. And I just think that social media is a byproduct of humans actually getting together and connecting. This is how humans, we're kind of witnessing how humans like to share information with each other. And we made this as a society, as a people. Uh, And that's what's so great about America is because we can do that. You know, there's not. It's not a government. It's not China. It's not Russia. Where it's Big Brother. Hey, we're gonna tell you how you should communicate. In America, we're gonna leave it sloppy. We're gonna. We're not really gonna pay attention until a problem arises, and we'll let you guys manage how you guys communicate with each other. So I think that before was there not enough? I would say maybe. You know, if you go far enough, there wasn't it. In two thousand, there probably could be more. Uh, There's probably not enough, right? Because that's what I mean by more competition. That's how Facebook got uh, its start. You know, MySpace was back then. There was a whole, a whole bunch, and obviously Instagram, but then Facebook bought Instagram, and then we got Snap. I think that is never enough. I think that there is always going to be a new social media coming, a new way that we're going to be talking to each other, and it's a good thing. Like I said, I, every time there's more conversation than not, I would argue that it's not only a good thing but a necessary thing. Because if I can elaborate a little more on, on my position on that, is because nowadays the issues that people are not talking to each other you know they 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 get an opinion or they think some certain way and they only want positive affirmations and they go to the places where they can find this you know where people say hey you're smart you know we just said that makes a lot of sense i agree with you people find that they don't want to be challenged all the time i think what we need is actually more communication, more open communication. No canceling or less can No canceling. Yet. I was gonna say less, but let's just go with no canceling, gotcha. and uh, <laughs> and no banning. By the way, so this is how far I take it. Uh, I, I, when 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 Trump got banned off Twitter, and hey, full disclosure, I didn't vote for Trump. I think he's an asshole, but I don't think that he should have been banned from Twitter because this is this is the problem when for social media now that all the communication is going through these channels pinterest uh instagram snap they're the arbiters of what can be said or not you know like 8chan, where you can say anything but twitter filters out what it decides and youtube too they can demonetize some videos and incentivize you to say this instead of that i think the only problem with social media is going to be the question of free speech and what we're allowed to say and who most importantly is allowed to Uh, Decide what we're allowed to say. You know, if they ban Trump today, who's to say that they won't ban AOC in four years because they don't like what she says? So, what's good for you, what's bad for you, might not be what's bad for me. So, who gets to decide who gets banned? Uh, I thought that banning Trump was a step in the wrong direction for something that's not an American ideal, which is free speech. Yes, he was saying things to incite the crowd. Look, they did an investigation and they found that he didn't incite that crowd. But it's pretty obvious that he that they planned this in the inside of the crowd. I mean, if you just look at the videos and follow the storyline. I mean, they 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 put the conditions, the parameters so that this can happen. So you're saying, Kev, why don't you want to ban him if bad things are happening because of what he's saying? But he's not forcing anybody to do anything. He's not... He, he he didn't plan the event. These people got together on the side and he's pumping the fire, but he didn't kindle the flame. He didn't do it. He didn't help them actually go ahead and. And get into the capital my opinion is unless they're doing something direct that's that's linked to violence that it's coming from that person uh they you know it shouldn't be blocked and that, that's my main um point on social media Is not that them themselves are the evil i think is leaving is is, is we're finding ourselves in this situation where they're the response to this, the responsibility of what can be said and what cannot be said on these platforms i e youtube and twitter and all these places facebook is left up to the corporations themselves, which is their right because it's their business but in it but it has to do with everybody's civil rights, which is free speech so who if not them who right and I think that's the question that's really hard to answer mm-hmm. and I think that's what's making if if people when we talk about social in my opinion right When we talk about social media doing damage, um, some part—not the bullying part and all the other stuff—but some part of it is the strings behind uh, how we communicate with each other, what they let us say, and when when they don't let us say it. I think that's where we really run into trouble, and we're starting to realize that slowly. I think.
0: Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's certainly a lot to uh, a lot to unpack there. Swinging for the fences today, but yeah, I mean, I think largely. I do agree with you in in regards to even the Trump ban specifically, Uh, and it's it's definitely a a tricky situation to come down on firmly because it's of course the question is where do you draw that line? You know, where do you draw the line of of direct impact? And I think lots of people draw it in different places, and it's it's highly subjective. Um, I, I think it's I think we want to fall on the side ultimately of maintaining free speech as much as we possibly can. And I think we all can acknowledge that there have to be limitations at some point. And when it comes down to just some tech company that has been vaulted into this position of power and and their employees being the one that gets to decide, I mean, that's that's bound to be controversial. That's bound to upset uh, at least half of America in any given decision I would hate to have to be jack dorsey you know I would I would hate to have to be these people in these rooms making these decisions and it's it's become even more complicated because these decisions seem to be leaning uh one way politically on average um and that that isn't a great look it really isn't at the end of the day when it when it has this much power and influence but I, I don't have a great solution as to anything besides allowing them to continue to make those decisions on their own and, and people having to deal with that. But at a certain point, as you said, I think there's something to, there's something to think about on the front of allowing more competition, uh, allowing more players in the game so that if people don't like how Twitter is regulating things, if they don't like how Facebook is regulating things, they could go to an alternative where that is an option but to be fair it seems like the the game is pretty pretty tight right now you know it's kind of a lock gym and 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 the big players are the big players and you know if facebook owns instagram it's you know it's getting more consolidated every day but um
1: would you ban them would you want to see social media gone at all uh I don't know that I would. I don't
0: know that I would. I don't have a super firm stance on that. And and what I can say is that it's I'm always looking for better arguments as to uh how they are net positive because I do see a lot of good that comes from them and I don't intend to in any way be blind to that. I just see so much negative at the same time, and it's it's hard to balance the scales there in and to decide if it's worth it. And then when it comes down to it, maybe it's not its not calculus worth doing because that's simply the nature of life and, and all things have a, have a negative and positive edge to them. Um, but I, I also see that what I feel like so much of what has gone wrong in our discourse and our ability to communicate and connect is a factor of how a lot of these platforms are created in and what their algorithms, uh, you know, the algorithm. solve for almost beyond anyone's actual intention. I don't think these people are evil. I don't think they're bad. I've got no problem with Zuckerberg. I've got no problem with Dorsey. I'm not one of those that people. Like I just, alien. I mean, it, it, it wouldn't entirely surprise me. He seems like a strange guy, but <laughs> I've got no problem with him personally. I don't think he had any malintent with starting Facebook. I do think at a certain point, you have to take a responsibility for what you have created. And even if he didn't intend to become one of the most powerful people on the planet, it's what he is now. and, And that has to be accounted for. But, you know, I just feel like some of these algorithms have gotten out of control and we don't even fully understand them to the point that what they are selecting for is what is incendiary to kind of stick with the fire metaphor that it's, it's not necessarily uh, it, it was originally intended to increase time on these platforms, which is a reasonable goal. If you're a company trying to sell ad revenue or, increase ad revenue but what actually keeps people on the platform is is largely unhelpful and largely things especially on a in in, in eco chambers like on twitter where it's the people who are saying the most outlandish and uh controversial things are are the ones that are getting the most play so people get a disproportionate idea of what real people actually think about these things. I think if people are still having conversations and they're taking them offline, and they're still interacting with people in the world, I don't really have a problem with it. But I often think about things in regards to trade offs and what they displace. And if our conversations online are displacing conversations in real life, in which we go online, and we are like, this is how people think, and it's really maybe a couple thousand people on Twitter who have the most play and who make the most noise. And we think that the world is changing in reality because of that. And to be fair, it's starting to happen, which is a whole other layer of the problem that sometimes a handful of people online can make real change uh, offline, which obviously could be an amazing thing and, and could be a, a very bad thing. But it, it just seems like so many of our problems as a species are they just get a little bit amplified when you take them online and you just remove the element of of offline experience the the face-to-face the the seeing how things
1: actually impact people yep and what is um, like people shit post on there right it, it's because there's the disconnect you can't you can just type whatever you want oh this guy sucks and you know mm-hmm. you just in you just at work in your cubicle and you're bored and you just want to press buttons on the screen. Mm-hmm. You know sometimes people say stuff online they don't even mean. You talk to them and right. you see them on Twitter. And you're, oh, this is an asshole. You meet them in person, they're like oh, he's not that bad. You know because well, yeah, yeah, like, <laughs>
0: yeah they would never say that to your face. Yeah,
1: exactly. To your point, <laughs> it's so disconnected, it's so inhuman way of communication that it allows these people that want to ship post misfits mm-hmm. that are bored. To just, I want to just press buttons on a screen to just go ahead and send it in. You know, they don't have to face any consequences.
0: Right. Yeah, and and the thing is, is it plays right. It's that's it. It does better than than actually saying something helpful or or positive
1: or even just asking a decent question. It. But do you think that says that speaks about social media? Do you think that speaks about how humans operate?
0: Right. I mean, and I think that's kind of what I was trying to get to is I don't think there's anything fundamentally wrong with social media or any of these companies. I just think it is an amplifier 100%. and it it seems to be amplifying some, some very troublesome uh, trends and habits that we have and and i think of course we could course correct i think it could be an amplifier of the best things that we have to offer as well and in many cases it is but it, it seems as though again going back to these algorithms that at times it it, it starts to overwhelm the positivity by what it selects for and, and what the general experience like if if we are simply optimizing for time spent on the platform. I think until they change that model, it's going to be a problem, at least for me personally, because I think that's the wrong end and I'm not here to say that I'm involved in these companies or that I'm the sort of person that should be making these sorts of decisions. But I think at the end of the day, if they keep that business model, that it's we do what it takes to keep you on. Uh, it's because of what we are and because of what is out there as far as content and what directs our eyes and these subconscious things that we don't understand very well about ourselves. I think it's always going to amplify the bad just a little bit more than the good, because it's just a little bit more eye catching. No, no. I was just kind of finishing that sentence that it's, it, I mean, you brought up the social dilemma and they talk about, you know, car crashes and how if, if, you optimize for that in real life. Just what directs the eyes? Well, it would just select for all car crashes because people look at them assuming that this is like, you know, it's not an evil algorithm. It's just saying, what do people look at the most? And if it's car crashes, then so be it. It's not going to moralize it, but it's just what do we look at most often? And I, I don't think that's that's necessarily positive,
1: you know? Yeah, it might not be the best for us. <laughs> <laughs> But it's it's, a, it's it's a problem, man. It's a problem, and it's a huge it, it's a huge problem with like not a not a simple solution. Uh, what I was gonna say is, uh, then you'd have to address CNN. You gotta address MSNBC. You gotta oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, it's it not just social media; it's not just the internet. Mm-hmm. I think they, they've been playing these strings for a long time, and I think humans are just mm-hmm. not waking up to it. And there's a formula called an algorithm we could point to that, mm-hmm. that speeds it even; it makes it automatic. It literally takes right. what we've been doing manually and makes it automatic. And now we're saying, look, the algorithm is uh, is doing this stuff, which is true, but we built it. You know, it's mm-hmm. based off our actions that we would have done manually anyway. Except it's a right. way more efficient. So it's like, but I'm optimistic because uh, I used to have optimistic spin on most things. And if you look at new shows like Breaking Points, uh, where Crystal and Sega, are you familiar with them? Uh, no, I'm not Dude, actually. Check them out. And anybody listening, go check them out. Crystal and Sagar, uh, breaking points. They used to have a show, uh, you know, part of a, a corporate, it was called The Hill. And, uh, Crystal is left-leaning, Sagar is right-leaning, he's Indian-American, Crystal's know, American. And, uh, they really have really good points. I, I'm, I'm like independent. I'm in the middle. I don't really like to associate myself with any party in particular. I think both of them have goods and bads. Um, and we can, that's a whole nother conversation, but I think both of them have extremely good points for their both sides, which usually paints the best picture of the truth. And they were, uh, empowered recently by Joe Rogan, uh, you know, going off on your own. Um, we all know Joe Rogan left YouTube because of this, um, uh, demonetization, this, uh, censoring that he was experiencing on YouTube. That's why he left YouTube, but he, he empowered them to leave the corporate space the show called the hill they both left and they opened up their own show on youtube breaking points to get away from this what we're talking about so that they don't have executives saying look this is what people are going to click look this is what they want to tune into they're here to give you the raw news and, and and the real angles and not uh sugarcoat about what they think is going to get the most clicks so but that's it's great and i, and I love that they did that and they they had a huge audience and their audience followed them to youtube and Joe Rogan gave him the blessing, so obviously it's going to work out, right? Joe Rogan gives you a blessing. It's like a miracle. <laughs> but um, they took a hit. I mean, they yeah, took a hit in their pocket. They took a risk. They don't know if the fans are really going to show up like they were. They don't know if they're going to pay for it. You know, how, how does this work? We need more brave people like those two to go ahead and start carving out a new path, which is happening in many circles, especially with podcasts, how we're doing here. This is what's breaking that wall slowly, slowly, you know, but we need more great people that are making the big bucks and that really have influence to separate and just say, Hey, look, I'm going to just tell you the truth from now on, you know, I'm going to take the hit because mm-hmm. money. Cause yeah. Money. Yeah. I mean, it's
0: a, it's a fair point for sure. And and I think, well, a I'll, I'll certainly link them in the show notes and, and check them out myself, but B I think it's, I definitely can recognize that there are lots of people who are who are breaking the mold and and who are stepping outside. And as you said, it's it's not like it's a new game to be played. It's as I've said, just that that social media amplifies it in this in this way, took it to scale in this way that no one was expecting. As a lot of technology has done, you know, across industries. As you know, that a lot of these things have just hit scale in a. In a somewhat unimaginable way, that even if uh, at at a smaller level it's not a problem at all, but when it hits scale, it's like, oh wow, okay, we had no idea that this was going to catch on so fast and become so powerful. So, what what social what's happening on social media has been happening on major news networks for decades. It's just it wasn't quite as powerful, and it was it was there and it was a problem, but it had its limits and now social media has almost none so it's 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 kind of the wild west i think we'll we'll certainly look back on this time and and realize how how crazy it was for things to be as new and unregulated and unprecedented as, as they were right now in this kind of infancy of of this sort of technology and communication so i'm i'm on whole optimistic that in time we'll we will figure out ways to either regulate or reform, um, not even necessarily externally, but, but to learn enough to, to change what's going on inside of these companies to, I guess, as maybe Tristan Harris put it, conscious, What? how did he say it? I'm going to butcher it, so maybe I just won't even say it, but allowing the, the actual outcomes uh, beyond what is intended for these companies to be something that is actually talked about, that they actually have a division for, that they're really being conscious of what the downstream effects are and that being a part of, you know, core decisions that they're making, not just the bottom line. And if we get our best people behind it, I I have no doubt that we could make these platforms much safer and and healthier um, for, for kids and and all people alike. Uh, It's, it's just
1: kind of a, it's a rough stage right now. It's a, it's a rough scene. It's so rough because like even if they did right, like even if you got a professional coder, like Hall of Fame, like another Mark Zuckerberg, and did they did make these changes, would the people actually want that?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. You know, I think if they did it well enough, people might not even really notice. But <laughs> it's it's hard to say what that would even exactly look like in regards to, because I think at the end of the day, a lot of it is just what is showing up on people's feeds, like what is being amplified, what is the signal versus the noise, and allowing that to be easier for people to discern. Um, And so I think if they could change that on a subtle level over time, I I don't think people would really notice or care. Um, But uh, that's that's a tall task. I don't mean to be simplistic about it or assume that Companies could just snap a finger and, and and this would all be better, because I'm sure they would if they could. And again, I don't think that they're evil. I don't have problems with these people fundamentally. I just think that historically, they it wasn't something that was on the top of their minds. It was unprecedented. So they didn't think that it was important to have to realize that the broader implications of, of what could happen, how wars could be started, how genocides could be started based on misinformation on these platforms. You know, like <laughs> I don't think that was in, in anybody's back pocket when, when they set out to do all this. 100% bro. I, th- I took them
1: by surprise. Right. And um, you know, I'll say one last thing. You mentioned that Jack, Jack was asked this, Hey, what are you going to do about it? You know, Twitter banning people. There's people on Twitter, like Brett Weinstein, I think, and his brother, uh, putting things on there for alternatives for um, treatments, like on COVID, like studies. I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I don't know about this stuff, but they know about this stuff, and you know, they've had legit studies for uh, different things and how the COVID spreads and how uh, you know. And they were writing. I think somebody that's associated with them wrote back uh, a couple months back that you know the vaccine is gonna allow for uh, there to be a pandemic of variants because what happens is you put a vaccine for one specific uh, antibody and you put evolutionary pressures on the normal variant process is gonna select what works. And, you know, um, it, it, if, you, if you, when you put the vaccine in there, it's gonna select for the stronger type of variant that has a worse, uh, it can select the stronger type of variant has worse conditions that we don't have the vaccine for yet and it could ultimately bring us through a repeating cycle of different variants like we see lambda and mu and all these other variants until it can, until it gets really worse than where we started and we're starting to see that i'm i love the vaccine i got the i got vaccinated as soon as i could but i also see how that uh, can lead to, pan, you know, like he said, pandemic variants where it's evolutionary pressure selecting the only the most uh, contagious and, and, and the worst of the variants. So it, we might end up at a worse place. So they were putting this stuff on Twitter and, and they got banned. They got banned for, uh, you know, it's this is, this is, this is not an official COVID uh, information, but it was based on the r- real studies done by universities. And they asked Jack Dorsey about this and basically, I mean, I'll probably chop up whatever he said, but basically he's like, hey, um, and I don't think he was dodging the question. I really think this is the situation. He's an employee at the company. He's at the mercy also of what his people want and what the board wants to do. And he's just one piece. So even a Jack Dorsey that made Twitter, recognizes, yes, this is a problem. We shouldn't be banning and, and deleting and censoring as much as we are. They have a heavy hand. But he is out of his control. It's that hard Mm. of a problem.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and to be fair, I don't know a ton of the details in that situation. I'm familiar with with the both of them broadly, and and, and I've tuned into some of their work in the past. Um, Obviously, COVID has been a a particularly difficult problem uh, in many ways, but particularly in regards to misinformation and, and how how people process that how these companies process it how how we try to create a, a healthier conversation around these sorts of things but obviously it, it hasn't gone well and um, I think it, it certainly is the it's the gut reaction to say okay if, if there's things being put out there that that we feel like uh, cross an inherent lines of uh, inherent line th- I think quote air, air quote. Oh <laughs> yeah, they they the cross lines. I guess and again these are you know this is all subjective, but if I guess if I had to try to take on that perspective, I'd say they're assuming that basically falling on the side of anything that seems to be um, not cohesive with a certain narrative I- or making people lean towards uh, distrust, which obviously is a huge problem in and of itself, that that we have to remedy in, in different ways than than just restriction and regulation and uh, you know blocking people or, or deleting people's tweets. That's not going to re- restore trust in our, our public institutions. Uh, again, that's that's a whole other issue. But yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where once you cross that line, once you decide that some information that people are saying about this could be dangerous once we decide that certain tweets should be removed because they are in a certain arena you have to you, know, you have to at least try to stay consistent and uh it gets very ugly very fast and it again just feeds this problem of of distrust where people feel like there's information that is out there that, that people are trying to prevent them from having and it, it fuels conspiracy thinking and, and all sorts of things. So it's, it's clear that this sort of action isn't solving the problem. Whether it's right or wrong fundamentally is a, is a much bigger question, but it, it's clearly not helping the, the, the problem of distrust in, in institutions, which you could argue is, is maybe one of our biggest problems uh,
1: just overall. I agree. I mean, I got the vaccine, now I can connect to 5G with my brain. <laughs> right. I mean, there's uh,
0: there's people who who really <laughs> who really, uh, because of all the information that's out there. I mean, it's easy for people to get misled. It it really is. Yeah, I can't agree with you more. Uh, it's it, it's a tricky place to be. And again, I think this is maybe a good way to to bring it close to this topic because it comes back to where we started. It's it's not that it's wrong for and, and granted, uh, hopefully this doesn't launch into a whole other thing, but <laughs> I'll, I'll try to show some restraint that it's not that it's wrong for, for Brett and, and Eric or any of these people to be exploring these ideas and asking questions and putting forth research uh, and, and trying to figure out what is really best for people to do. What is the most safe thing? How do we play long term games here and figure out how we actually beat this thing? Like Of, of course, that is not fundamentally wrong. But I think the the more nuanced argument comes into play when you talk about well, once you have an audience and once you're doing this at scale uh, in public, where people are going to misunderstand what you're saying, people are are not really going to they, these people. The average person doesn't have doesn't understand the scientific method. They don't understand what what Brett and, and Heather and Eric are really trying to do and so they see one thing and they're like this guy's really smart he knows what he's talking about and what i'm getting from from this is you can't trust anything that the cdc says or that whoever says or you can't trust vaccines period and you know exactly that's the that's the amplifying effect that social media ultimately has is when you do it on these platforms it's the margins for error are razor thin. And you could be as well-intended as anyone and, and end up empowering people to do things you, you didn't intend. And it's, it's, it's a classic argument as far as how much responsibility individuals have for what, for what people do with their words and their work and, and all of that. But social media just makes it so much scarier because you know if, if Brett goes and writes a book about all this, you know, and no no uh, offense to him, but, you know, a few thousand people
1: read it, right? <laughs> but now... I'm not going to get the vaccine anymore. <laughs> That's not what he yeah. by the way, get vaccinated.
0: Right. I mean, it's, again, the the messaging just gets, it gets construed at, at the end of the day. And then millions of people can see it in an instant and just take away what is the most, just the simplest... And most you know reductive way of viewing something is what people are going to get from it on average. You know they do, the they're going to read the headline, right? And so you just it's it's fucking mental jujitsu out there that you <laughs> <That's> <laughs> to be able to do it safely. People didn't even go to shinobi training, um, or nothing.
2: <laughs>
0: right. But anywho, as as we've been kind of, I guess, broaching uh, the the divisiveness that's out there, the difficulty there's out there and, and having conversations, um, even about COVID and the pandemic specifically, uh, something I've been thinking about a lot is just, you would think if anything, this pandemic would bring us together, it would be the thing that even on a global scale would force us to have some sense of, of global humanism of, of unity and say, okay, this is a, This is an outside force that we need to come together and try to solve, almost similar to the way that wars have historically helped countries, uh, you know, helped nationalism, helped people come together against broader problems outside of themselves. It's it's something that almost seemed like it was, you know, hand-picked to be something that could really bring us together and give us the sort of perspective we need right now. here we are as divided as ever in regards to the pandemic or in regards to any political issue and i'm I'm just curious if there's any front on which you're optimistic that it it could bring us together something that could happen or some sort of fight worth fighting that you, you feel like the average person could extend an olive branch to their you know political socioeconomic uh, perceived adversaries?
1: Yes. I think the number one thing that will ultimately end us, end up bringing us together, and I think it'll probably get worse before it gets good, to be honest with you, because I'm thinking of China, I'm thinking of Russia, I'm thinking of African countries, third world countries, uh, uh, climate change. Climate change. Mm. I think climate change is going to be ultimately uh, the thing that everybody's going to have to wake up and face. I think that right now it doesn't get it doesn't get into anybody's way uh unless you're out in nature right mm-hmm. um, but I think climate change is probably the scariest thing facing humanity as a whole and the different ways to solve it, uh, it I I don't know if we'll get to it in time to be honest I think maybe we're already over time um I think that it it won't be about preventing climate change i think climate change is here to stay and only progressively getting worse i think judging by the science that 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 i've read online i'm not a professional at this i'm not an environmentalist at all um i'm just a dude looking at stuff on the internet like everybody else but i have i follow good resources on this and um i think that uh when, when they when when they see miami starting to flood when they see California splitting a little bit, when they see more condos, like the condo that fell down in sunny Isles in Miami, all mm. because of the base is sandy. Um, mm. When they when they see people uh, like Haiti that don't have any food, don't have any resources, the president was uh, assassinated in his own home. Uh, and that's a reflection yeah. of not having resources and just being in hard times, countries in a hard time. Um, mm. There's 3,000, I think, I think I saw today in Panama. Uh, a couple of years ago, maybe even last year, there was like five thousand people trying to get into the country. Now, today there's thirty thousand people trying to get into Panama, and Panama is yeah. not the destination they're trying to get to. They're trying to get here right. through Panama. So that's coming. That's coming for us. There's going to be people coming from uh, th- these countries, like 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 the island countries, Fu- Fuji, You know, these coastal. That really depend on the weather. Uh, Malaysia, even those Asian countries where they get monsoons, we're Mm -hmm. going to start to see a lot of refugees, a lot of people scattering around, and then we'll take notice and be like, "Wow, hold on, this is actually a problem. Um, Maybe we should address this." And Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, I think that the problem is such that uh, we won't get to it in time. I think, in my opinion. Uh, We're going to find ourselves in a position where we have to collaborate as a, as a, either nation by nation or at the global level to try and reverse engineer the effects that we've already put into the climate. This domino effect, we would have to stop the chain reaction from happening and then find a way to go backwards and pick those dominoes up because uh, we've already passed, uh, I think what's the, you know, one of the breaking points at least for this cascading effect.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly fucking hope so, man. I mean, I, I really hope that at a certain point, this, an issue of this scale would become a point of, of agreement, a, a nonpartisan issue. And
1: it's, it's clear that we're not quite there yet. going to be nonpartisan. That's the thing. Because in my opinion, like, if, so you, you mentioned the war and, and, and how people benefit from war. Well, America became the wealthiest country in the world because of a war, and not their war. They became the wealthiest country in the world when they helped to for World War II produce all those uh, ammo and planes and guns and bombs. Right. Um, and then we, and then we're still facing reper- reper- repercussions from that. I mean, look at the Taliban, how they developed. You know, it was uh, us trying to go into their space. The Russians were there. We were fighting them. It was part of the Cold War. We were trying to deplace them we we're trying to get access to the oil that they had in um what's that country called uh, Afghanistan and mm-hmm. and, and, we're, and we're we we armed the local people so that we can help beat Russia and then the local people that were displaced ended up a lot of them ended up in Pakistan about three thousand in the border and then that's when they were they're from Afghanistan but now they're in Pakistan and they're not regular they're not part of the regular community there and they were isolated by themselves, and they had years and years and years to study the Quran, that's all they had they didn't go out to clubs, they weren't a part of society they just studied the Quran, and then they became very extreme, that's why, that's why they're so extreme, because they were so isolated they had to run away from Afghanistan, the women and children, and they grew up in this concentration camp, where the only thing you could do is the Bible, that's the only thing that mattered and, and, and so you see us fighting the repercussions of that but anyway, that was a little tangent what I really wanted to say is about oh, coming back to to climate change All these dynamics, though, is my point. There's different things happening. We're we're facing the repercussions of things that we did in the past. we got to deal with that. Another part is we became, aside from war, we became the richest country from burning oil and polluting our skies. We're one of the the biggest polluters of all time together with China. And so now we're realizing, oh, shit, things are messing up. The the earth is like one, two degrees warmer, whatever it is. Seas are rising, the glaciers are melting, animals are getting extinct. Uh, forests are drying up, the Amazon is drying up, we need to do something about this. But we can afford, we, we have Tesla, we, we can afford to get the electric car, we can afford to use these other options. But th- our arrogance to turn around and tell these third world countries that are just picking themselves up, up, picking themselves up off the bootstrap and are doing it by burning oil, same way we did. We're going to turn around, get rich, turn around and say, hey, you stop doing that, what you're doing, because you're polluting the planet. And they're looking up at us and saying, hey, we're just trying to catch up. We're just trying to put food on the table. You know, we're trying to have what you have. You did it. Why can't we? And that's why we would never have a solution that is nonpartisan. Because we are literally trying to squash them on the way up. We did it. And we turn around and we say, no, you can't do it. You can't be rich like we are. That's how they feel, right? They're just Mm not. And they don't have the resources to go and buy an electric car. Like if you talk to some uh, lady in Africa or something, Senegal or wherever, I I saw this example somewhere and she's saving up to buy her $15,000 car. And if you put global restrictions to say, okay, by 2050, you can only buy electric cars at 2035. Now she has to save $40,000 for the car and there's not even charging stations around for her to use it. So it's it's just impossible. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And then China's the same thing. They're burning oil. They're getting rich. They're manufacturing. Russia, same thing. They're burning. They're selling oil. They're manufacturing. They're polluting. Um, I, I just think that everybody has their own agenda. And we're the ones at the top with big pockets and fat bellies telling them, hey, stop doing what you're doing. It won't work.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we, rightfully so, will we'll always be perceived as as hypocrites on that front because it's it's easy to say once we've gotten here to to look down and and say this is what we need this is this is the future of the species this is this higher order problem but at the end of the day that we can't change the optics of that um and so i think that's why potentially the only real solution there is to and it maybe sounds uh just too optimistic or even utopian but to get to a point where we can innovate up to a point that things like Teslas, uh, you know, things like solar plan- panels are, we can make them cheap enough. That is just the, the the best option. You know, that's the only way because people aren't going to change if it's more expensive. And sure that the wealthiest people in the world, you know, Americans uh, <laughs> largely uh, will make their decisions and they'll buy their Teslas because they're nice.
2: Yeah, uh, they're because nice. it's
0: a status symbol, but they are nice. you know, that's not moving the needle. It's it's not. And until you can make it something that's that's to scale, that average people who are just gonna make decisions economically because they're living paycheck to paycheck or whatever it may be, until you can get it to a point where it's it is just as good and it's cheaper. Like the, it, those two things have to be true, and we have to rely on. Innovation to be able to do that, and again, it sounds just ambiguous. It sounds nebulous because it's it's this word we throw everything behind sometimes, but we have to find ways to make these products cheap enough, or it's it's not relevant. It's the same thing with with health food, which is something I I, I talk a lot about, in my personal life, I care a lot about, but it's it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant until it's cheap enough for common people, and you know, I can sit here. Every single day and, and enjoy the things that I enjoy because I you know uh, I'm comfortable like but the average person is when they go to the grocery store it's it's what is cheap, what can I feed my family with? what will these food stamps afford because that's how I grew up, and I get it like it's it's not about uh, at the end of the day what is best for you in the long term you you don't have the freedom to make those sorts of decisions, right. so whether it's it's food or it's energy, whatever it is, people are going to take what they can afford. And we have to simply, we can't sit there, okay, let's make money. Let's appeal to our niche audience of wealthy people. The the 1% here in America, you can make a killer business if you just appeal to those people and you mark up the price and they're fine with it. Because, what else are they going to do with their extra money? You know, it's fine to pay extra for a Tesla because it, it's a great product. But I, you have to start looking at regular people or it's never
1: going to have a, a downstream effect. Exactly. And then regular people on, in other countries, which have that's a different paradigm, you know? And I think, you know, in my opinion, you know, Elon Musk is the most important human on the planet, in my opinion, or at least one of the most important humans on the planet. you're talking about Starlink where he's connecting and giving everybody access to the internet, meaning access to online business, meaning communication, moving money back and forth. That's super important to even get the ball rolling. They don't even have that. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. we're talking about convincing people in the wealthiest country in the world to do the right thing. How long is it going to take to tell somebody in Ethiopia that?
2: Mm -hmm. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a hard question to, to answer, but it's, it it really does elucidate the fact that everything that we experience here is is essentially experienced tenfold in in the third world and in countries where they still are dealing with those first order problems. And it it's totally unrealistic to expect anyone else uh, to to really get on board with with any initiative or even product that we're trying to sell until it's until it's broken down to the most basic level and we're able to use technology right this this infinite leverage that that we've been talking about this infinite ability to scale things to create something like what you're saying Elon is working on in essence that allows to just drive the price point down so low that thats something that you know like a, a personal computer that that used to be a yeah. you know only a handful of people in the world had them and it took up a whole room to now everyone has one in their pocket right yeah. that's that's the beauty of technology but we're we're using it in a very specific way at this point and we're not often addressing our, our biggest problems with it because there's less money there in a, in a functional sense but it's it's the only way in my opinion for us to to really tackle these bigger problems you know climate change being maybe the biggest that until it becomes a priority and something that we're we're using our superpower uh here in the states to to address it's i'm not optimistic but if we can
1: i mean that that could make all the difference it could make all the difference i agree with you and i'm not too optimistic on this one until something happens i think something's gonna happen where people wake up and be like oh shit okay this is real like we need to really come together and fix this because um you know according to experts we're already off the deep end you know, we have to do mm. some recovery patchwork already. So how long does it take for things to become affordable and start to make sense? And then for us to really start to even tackle problems? I, I'm worried. Yeah. <laughs>
0: no, you're, you're not alone. You're <laughs> certainly not alone. So um, on on that note, I'll make a little bit of a hard pivot to to hopefully maybe... Give us something mildly more optimistic. I could be wrong, though. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then the name of this this new season, um, I guess for those of you who it's not already obvious to, Kevin's been on the podcast before, and we, we've had some of my favorite conversations, you know, both on and offline. Likewise, and uh, yeah, I know we always get into the the nuance of issues, the the middle ground, the... We talked a lot in our last conversation about the value of compromise and and how truth is often found and and somewhere between the the most prevailing perspectives on things and and in the name of that spirit, which which I find to be very valuable to, to remind myself of regularly, I'm I'm curious if there's anything since the last time we spoke that that you have changed your mind on or that your your stance your perspective. Has evolved in, in a notable way, or if there's just anything that you feel like you're starting to reevaluate that you used to feel pretty strongly about?
1: Man, that's a deep question. That's a deep question. I was thinking about that one. Man, I think obviously there's things that have changed my mind since the last time you talked to me. I mean, I'm always learning, I'm, not, I'm never after uh, being correct, I'm always after the truth. And so I've changed my mind a lot. Um, as one should, I think, if you're a learned person. Uh, I think before, um, I didn't realize how, I didn't realize what the left was. I, left meaning Democratic Party. Because I grew up, uh, to me, I always, you know, leaned more left than right. Uh, but nowadays, I really find myself really in the center. And moving right. And it's awkward because, you know, you would think Trump and... And by the way, I think Trump is going to run again in 2024. We shall watch out for that. And he has a shot. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, he has a shot. He has a real shot. I think he'll really try. Um, But what I mean by that is I I came to realize that... So before, I I thought, you know, the right had good solutions, but that they were uh, insensitive or... uh, they didn't really see the true problem and they had like insensitive solutions. They were just you know, separate. These people deserve this. These people don't deserve that. I think that's not the right thing to do. But what I noticed is on, on the left, what I'm starting not to like to see is that cancel culture, that woke culture, what they call, uh, I think that, uh, and I still have love for the left, right? Obviously. But, um, on, on the left, I think that for them, like on the right let me let me pivot on the right they're about god and country above all else okay so i mean country the people and your local community country the flag 4th of july hot dogs burgers and on the and on the left they're above the group above god and country meaning groupthink and i think that is driving those people in a bad place where uh, if the group doesn't think so then I don't think so either for no logical reason. Or these people don't think like us and so we should just silence them because they're idiots. Like I, I don't I don't like that part of it because I just find it kinda of like anti American. It's supposed to be a place America's supposed to be a place where you come over here, talk shit, say what you like, and if you don't agree with me then fuck you, you know? But <laughs> it's it, it, that's what it is. And I just feel like the, I didn't realize that before, but I'm coming to realize now, and I think it's pushing me closer to the middle. And I don't know if you feel if you feel what I'm saying. I don't know. If, does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think it's uh, it's really interesting to watch how parties evolve over time, and and to look at them historically and see what they once were and what they once stood for, and. The sort of values i guess core values that they at least intend or, or claim to represent in democratic party specifically has gone has been undergoing a pretty significant change and in, in the last couple of decades and even couple of years where um the the base of the party is changing as is the republican party oh, yeah. and it's there's some troubling trends on, on either side. And and as you know, personally, I'm, I'm quite moderate and it I'll say I'm, I'm probably more, I'm closer to the center than I, than I ever have been in in a similar uh, tone to what you've said. And I'm sure there's some major differences between the two of us, but I think there, I think what is most progressive I think the more progressive wing of the Democratic Party has has in some ways not not even split, but I think there's just new dynamics at play. And I actually talked about it at length in, in a couple of podcasts that I've done. Um so it's it's maybe something that, that we can revisit again sometime once you've had that context. But uh yeah, I mean the parties are changing and in what the the left you know, I guess in air quotes used to represent and even things like free speech or, um, you know, immigration, foreign policy, uh, lots of different issues. It's it's just evolving and people are having to decide what issues they care about most and, and what they really stand for. And in a lot of ways, more so than ever, the left has uh, changed its tone on a lot of things. And that's, it's upset a lot of people. It's, Uh, it's galvanized a lot of people. And I think people who are generally more moderate just find themselves more and more isolated from both political parties, or maybe I speak for myself, but that um, I think a lot of people who were were left-leaning and moderate are, are finding themselves closer to the center because of the general culture that, is growing around it, which is unless you meet certain standards, unless you are are in line, right. you are rejected, right. right? You're you don't you don't pass the purity test, and so it's it's a huge problem for the party that I I still more than any align with that are losing a lot of people who are closer to the center, not even necessarily to the right, but just to relative indifference because. The way in which we are fighting these culture wars um, is starting to seem a little bit less than in good faith um,
1: if, if that's kind of what you're getting at yep that's exactly the difference I was noticing
0: but yeah I, I certainly can relate and again it's 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 tricky because it it leaves moderates in a difficult position uh, especially given uh the current administration and, and at least I could speak for myself that I, I maybe had some hope that a more moderate president would have certain successes or at least an ability to um, maybe reach across party lines or just uh, add some stability to the system, but it, it seems that's not even working out. Uh, so it's, it's, it's kind of a, a weird time to be someone who finds themselves a little bit in the middle, and I think maybe it's a, a good thing for us to pick up next time. That it's, uh, I feel like it might kind of be the death of, uh, of moderates broadly if this administration doesn't ultimately quote unquote succeed or falls out of public favor. That I think people will take away that the more moderate approach isn't worth exploring, and I think that would be a huge shame, but that people will more so. You know, fall towards their their extremes and say this is the only way to make change. That's what I'm afraid this of. Is the only way is is to you know grow farther and farther apart, and it, it might be this this kind of final blow when when we, in my opinion, didn't even give it its fair shot. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I I try to you know keep my chin up on all of it, but I'm not I'm not optimistic. <laughs> but hopefully. Hopefully we've got some some options moving forward that aren't uh, what we've been dealing with
1: <laughs> the past few years, man. If Joe was at least like galvanizing, like if he was like exciting, put energy into the room, you know, something that I can grip onto, but he's just boring. <laughs> he's just we went from and and let me tell you, the ratings from CNN and MSNBC and those people they dropped. I think I heard by nearly half after he left office. So I think there's real incentives there to even get them back into office money-wise. I mean, if your subscription base dropped by 50%, New York Times, like, that's incredible. I think we should watch out for that. But anyway, that's, mm-hmm. that's neither here or there. If we had somebody, a leader that was younger, like AOC, but not as extreme, I think, in my mm-hmm. opinion, that's my opinion, I think that would be really cool. I don't understand why we get all these old farts, you know, like Joe. is <laughs> like a skeleton. He can barely talk. You know what I mean? Like people always talk about that speech where he was talking about his hairy legs and people touching him and his legs. Like, what are you? What are you saying? Like, I, I we need somebody else. <laughs> and, and honestly, I don't even know if, in my opinion, if Kamala Harris is that loved. I don't think people love her. I don't like her.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, as, again, it's. I think it's unfortunate because I think what being moderate represents. Um, on a political in a political sphere is is generally something that has fallen out of favor, even though I think on an individual level and even on a societal level it's incredibly important. I think what moderate means for most people when they look at politics is just people who are you know they're playing games. They're, they're 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 playing the political game. They're playing both sides. They're they're staying in the middle so that they can they can manipulate. They don't seem trustworthy. Uh, they're not particularly inspiring, like you're saying. And so people they get sick of that brand of politics, which we've had for a long time. And I think we forgot what was what was good about it, right? To have politicians who could actually, you know, engage with each other in a reasonable way and and uh, actually make compromises and all of that. But it's it's boring and it's not fun and it's, it's political. And I don't think people like that. Yeah. They don't like the fact that these people are career politicians who are going to be changing stances all the time based on what people think and want from them and, and all these bad incentives. But at the end of the day, I think it's as as we've both kind of said. It's it's unfortunate, but it, it seems it's just going to usher in this new era of politics in which there really is no conversation. It's just complete polarization, and it's whichever person is just more galvanizing on on the right or the left in any cycle is the one that will be elected. And either side will be incredibly unhappy, uh, you know, given that outcome as opposed to just being like, okay, like, it's not exactly what I wanted, but things will be all right. It's like, no, this is the end of the world. Uh, And when people feel that way, that's when, you know, shit like the capital happens. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, (laughs) I I was maybe swinging for something that would, that would turn mildly optimistic but <laughs> i think we've we've swung we've missed uh, <laughs> uh we had social media climate change and uh political polarization it's it's all not looking so hot yeah. but um but we but
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'm still feeling all right so right, that's, what, that's, that's what i was gonna say that's I- what i can hang on to <laughs> i'm hanging on to it man i don't want to no, you know apocalyptic civil war type thing going on, even though I think we're a little far from a civil war. And by the way, like when Trump won, I got messages from Germany. I used to study in Germany for those who don't know engineering school. And they texted me, oh, you guys going through a civil war? Are you guys going to, is the North splitting from the South? I'm like, no, stop watching Mm -hmm. TV. Like, but that's, that's, that's what gets out there. And that's what people really Mm -hmm. see. I was out fishing for Father's Day, not fishing, but just riding out in a boat. And this was what told me everything. It was this guy there and, you know, he was a white guy and he looked like a redneck and the whole thing. And he had a shirt on there and he's like, I'm for everything you're there against. And I'm like, that's it. That's it. That's what's most important. That's the real power, I think, of today's politics, especially from the right. They just want to pick a group and have an enemy on the other side to point a finger at This is your fault. You know, instead of coming together and talking... And realizing that they're more similar than they think and they all live on the same planet and maybe we all have similar issues, just different ways to get about it. We can talk about it and uh, find the answer in between. I don't know. You know, to to, to end that little thing there, I'm optimistic um, because of the next generation and our generation, the millennial generation. I think the people that grew up with the internet really grew up with social media. I think that uh, we're more, hopefully, open to first of all we'll take climate change more seriously and so hopefully that's something that we can all uh, come together on. But then we're used to getting a lot of information a lot of things changing and keeping up with it and having maybe different opinions at different times and I'm optimistic that uh, things will get better as the internet cleans up and this next generation comes in and we don't have you know a skeleton uh, as a president like a bad like person. <laughs> like um, i I think they give joe biden a page and it says ask these questions don't ask these questions like you're the president motherfucker like you're supposed to know you you have questions already like you you're ready nobody's telling you what to do and not to do but i you know i I, and i think once we get a senate that have social profiles themselves and actually use it not like a rubio or uh, ted cruz like these crazy guys but I mean, just everybody, and really know what the internet is. I mean, senators don't know how this stuff works. They get briefed on it and they make decisions from afar, but they've never rode a bike. You know what I mean? So I think that's that's my that's what that's my window of optimism. I just hope that we, uh, you know, uh, hold on and are as good as possible before we get there. Hopefully, I don't know. You know, like I said, I'm not a professional, guys. I'm just talking shit. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I mean I I do think it's a it's a fitting way to bring this conversation to a close is that there if if there is optimism to be gleaned from this conversation or just anything to be gleaned from this conversation on hold despite the fact that a lot of what we've talked about there's not it's it, it's a little bit grim, you know, it, it really is and and we have huge problems to face and we're not doing a great job of facing them right now. But at the same time we are having a conversation. And again, it maybe sounds a little bit utopian, but I I think there's something to be said about that. And we can talk about climate change. We can talk about social media. We can talk about politics. We can even talk about the pandemic and we can disagree and, and nobody's heads have exploded, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's okay. And that is something that I feel like people are, are starting to lose sight of and stop in these conversations are are happening less and less often outside of echo chambers because people just feel like it's not worth it. And I think as long as we keep open lines of communication, there, there will be ways to work through these things. Um, but it, it takes time and it's not, it's not to say that this is the answer to everything and in, in some sort of, uh, you know, congrat self congratulatory way, but uh, I, I do think that if if anyone can take anything away from from some of our ramblings is that uh, just keep trying to talk to people right. as as much as you can, and don't be afraid to actually express your opinions, even if they're unpopular. Uh, and you know, maybe don't do it at work, <laughs> and, and maybe even don't do it on Twitter, but but talk to people. <laughs> and uh, agree. It, it ultimately might might be what we need to to dig us dig us out of this hole even if it takes a generation or two um it, it has to start somewhere so kevin i i really do appreciate you doing this again i always have a great time talking with you uh it's it's always nice to to have a little fun with it and and to to dig a little bit deep and and take some shots. So uh, I, I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate everything you've offered for today. And I, I look forward to doing this more regularly. As I told you, I want to keep these going. Uh, I'd love to, particularly with you, kind of hit some some current events as things change. Uh, I know you've got some takes, you, you've got some interesting perspectives and just to be able to, to stay in touch, keep this conversation going and, and keep giving people something to uh, look out for.
1: Man, thanks for inviting me on again, season two. Back at it again. Very excited. Um, I wish you the podcast all the luck possible. I look forward to coming back, man. Uh, I always have a good time talking to you. Listening to your perspective. Listening to your podcast. Uh, getting some good value from your podcast, man. Anybody here that uh, is listening to this, thanks for listening. Hope to uh, to meet. Reach out anytime. Uh, also, uh, I got uh, I, I got together with some friends. A guy named Calderon. He's been uh, brewing coffee for about 25 years, and we started it to uh, our own coffee company. Anybody who likes espresso, uh, the coffee company is called Spanglish Coffee Company. Uh, you know, look it up on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, everywhere. Follow it. Uh, we're doing some early bird deals. Uh, whoever, because uh, the product is going to be launched in about two months. So whoever signs up early, some early bird deals for you guys as a thank you for our day ones. Um, and Brandon, man, thanks for having me on, man. Always fun yeah
0: yeah absolutely and I'll, I'll be sure to leave a link in the show notes make sure everybody can find y'all and uh, i know you're doing good work so i'll be checking you out soon and we'll, we'll talk soon man thanks
1: man stay anonymous <laughs> you too man
0: so if you've made it this far hopefully it's because this project has resonated with you in some way and added value to your life And if so, it would be great if you could take that next step to do any of the things that people are always asking you to do. Subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, share with a friend, give us a follow on social. I know it can feel like a chore. I get it. But it is all rather simple and easy. (laughs) A lot easier than listening to this whole episode. So any support really does mean a lot to me and goes a long way towards helping this show and its message grow the simple fact that you're still listening at this point already makes this whole thing worth it for me. Anything else is just gravy. Remember, again, please do send your questions and topics to at imposters Anon on Instagram and Twitter. I welcome them all and would love to hear from you. And oh, if you could be interested in coming on this very show, shoot us a message. Seriously, there are no requirements. I'm always looking for new guests with unique perspectives i don't care about how many followers you have or where you went to school and i certainly don't want to read your resume i just like having interesting candid conversations so why not you're all already a part of this project in my eyes but i'll give it a rest for today thanks again your perspective is valuable and i'll see you next time